Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. faces out there that I haven't seen in a while. And I got to tell you, my heart is touched by that. We love you. And guess what? We welcome you back. It's as if you never left. You're part of our church. We love you. Okay? I just want you to know that. And I believe the Lord has a word for us today. Wednesday night, I spoke at the Ock Bay Bible Church. How many were there with me? Yes, you were the only friendly people there. Because <laughs> I spoke about a difficult subject, one the church needed to hear, amen? amen. That we need, we need to acknowledge some things as a church. For those of you who were there Wednesday night, you know what I was talking about. And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to be real. We're going to be 100% for my younger people. That's what that means. Because the church has to admit to some things that if we've done wrong. Amen? Now, did I do it? No. But it doesn't matter. My brothers and sisters are hurting. And therefore, I claim responsibility over it. That's the way things work. And so we're going to work through this together. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, the church doing things wrong, I'm talking about 100 years ago with the way things evolved. And we're going to continue to push that. And when I talked about that at the church, the, the church, I don't think, was ready to receive what the Lord had to say. But that's okay, because God said it. Amen? God said it, and that's what we're going to go with. Now, today, we're going to end our series on what it means to be a Christian. Amen? Now, for the past, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 years, churches have taught that if you just come to church and you, you pay your tithes and you read your Bible and, and, and you support the ministry, that that's really all you need to do. They, they didn't really so much teach it as they implied it. And there was no expectation of growth. And, and I want to tell you that the word disciple, which is what we become when we follow Christ, the word disciple means that you follow in the footsteps of Christ. We become Christ-like. And you can argue with me over Scripture, what this Scripture means, or what that Scripture means, and, and that's okay. We can have those discussions. We really shouldn't argue the Word of God. Maybe that was a poor choice of words, but we can discuss those things. But at the end of the day, are we Christ-like? Amen? Are we Christ-like? Are we doing the things that Jesus did? Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus went around doing, does anybody know what that word is that he did? He did good. He wasn't thinking about himself, obviously, right? He wasn't thinking about his status in the church or his status, better yet, his status in the community. Jesus was more focused on loving people for who they were 
Amen? Didn't matter what color they were, he loved them, right? Can we say amen? He loved them. He loved them. He loved them. He loved them. He even loved the religious people, although they got on his nerves. You know what I'm talking about? He, he, they got on his nerves. He's like, you know, what's wrong with you? You should know this. But he still loved them. We know that because at the cross he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So we understand that, right? But who he really loved, who he really loved, the people that spoke to him or that, that touched him was the people that were the disenfranchised. The people that, that seemed like that they didn't fit in. You ever felt like you don't fit in? Anybody? I mean, okay, just by raising your hand, you fit in, just so that you know. Some of you aren't raising your hand because you don't want to admit it, and that's okay. I feel like I don't fit in all the time, especially Wednesday night. I felt a little awkward, to be honest with you. Like, I'm, the, I'm just different. Anybody, have I, how many times have I said this? I'm just weird, right? It, who knows that pastor's weird? And you still come to church here. That's amazing. I praise God. Maybe you're weird too. I don't know. <laughs> we're just a church of weirdos, and that's okay, all right? It's okay to be weird. The disciples were weird. And if you look at Jesus' life, he did things weird. But what we're talking about is understanding that we are supposed to become Christ-like. Listen, I don't want you just to show up to church, okay? Just showing up to church. I mean, praise God that you're here. I love you for that. But there's a lifestyle that comes with that. If you come to church and, and you hear, but you go out and you steal from people, or you talk bad about them, or you, you make fun of people, or, or, or you make fun of their culture or their religion, or you do those things, then that's not Christ-like, amen? But we've let so many things come into the church. We've let, we've let politics come into the church, haven't we? When you have pastors getting up and espousing a certain political ideology, it's no longer church, it's the political meeting. Amen? We don't need that in the church. Amen? My job is to preach Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling that you should not be politically active. I think we all should as Americans. We need to do that. Amen? We need to do that. But we don't need that in the church. Our job is to preach Jesus and him crucified. Amen? Now, some people are going to get mad at me. They say, well, pastor, you should speak against this individual, this individual. That's not my job. My job is to preach Jesus. That's my job. My job, you need to hear about Jesus, and the world's going to take care of the world, okay? I'm not even worried about that. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, whether you vote Republican, Democrat, or Independent, they're all a bunch of crooks, okay? That's just how it is. So I'm just be honest with you, okay? we got to realize that, we got to understand that, that our job is to become more and more like Jesus, amen? Become more and more like Jesus. Forget about all those things. Just give me Jesus. You remember the song? I don't care about this. I don't care about that. Just give me Jesus. You know, you'll find when you go through life and you have that mantra, just give me Jesus, that all of a sudden the cares of the world go away and you're not as stressed. Anybody get stressed around this time of year? Yeah. What, what are we doing? We're spending money on stuff. By the way, I wear an extra large. Because I know somebody's asking I don't care what it is, just a, no, I'm just joking. Maybe not. <laughs> I know you're thinking extra large. Are you sure, Pastor? You look like a double X. No, it's, it's an X. Where's, uh, no, I'm not going to say it, never mind. Somebody made fun of my weight this morning, but I'm not going to give them a hard time. 
He know Ezra knows who he is. <laughs> but we get so focused on Christmas, and we get stressed out, don't we? We get stressed out about money. We get stressed out about life. And this is where we need to look at simply who Jesus was. Who was Jesus? Did he worry about things? Did he let things get to him? No, because he was Jesus. He knew who his father was. He knew that relationship. He knew who God was, his father, and he understood that. And so as Christians, we let things get to us. We let it bother us. And so anybody not been able to sleep at night sometimes because of things that are upsetting them? See, that's, I'm going to tell you lovingly, that's not of God. Now, don't get me wrong, I do it too sometimes, but God is trying to get us to trust him and love on him, amen, and let him love us, to have that relationship. But what I'm going to talk about this morning, I'm going to be honest with you, it's, it's a pretty difficult thing. And the enemy has done his best to try to distract, he's done his best to try to keep things from moving forward, but we're going to trust that God's going to get his message out this morning. Amen? So as I speak this message, I'm going to take the unusual step of please making sure your phones are quiet. Please make sure that we're not talking to our neighbors. Amen? Praise God. Look at the scripture right here. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. This is our final message and what it means to be a believer, what it means to be a Christian. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. i got to put my glasses on because I can't see. 1821. Well, see, I told you I need my glasses on. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? You guys know what sin against me is, right? His brother offended him. His brother did him wrong. His brother did something to hurt him. His brother did something that was mean and caused him to be upset. That never happens in church, does it? <laughs> Maybe. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Isn't it interesting that Peter had a cap on that? You know what I mean by cap? He says, listen, I can forgive you seven times, but that eighth time, I'm going to knock you out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay the five-fold ministry on you with my five fingers. I'm gonna, that eighth time, seven times we're good, but that eighth time, I'm coming after you. You guys know what I'm talking about? And we see that in churches today. We see where people have been hurt, where people have been offended, and they hold on to that forgiveness. Or excuse me, they hold on to that unforgiveness. Because they think to themselves, how can this person who is a believer hurt me? You know, there's people out there that I've hurt that I don't even know that I've hurt. Does that happen to you? There's people out there that I've offended and they don't even talk to me and I don't even know why, that I've offended them. There's people that I know that I've had a, an issue with and I've tried to ask forgiveness but they won't talk to me. They refuse to have a conversation with me but yet they're leaders in another church. Does that sound right to you? Does that sound Christian to you? 
And that's there's a problem in Christianity today is we're holding on to this unforgiveness. We're holding on to this offense. And most of all, most importantly, we feel justified in doing so. Like God is going to somehow make us the exception. Oh, they really hurt you, so it's okay for you to do that. How many knows that God doesn't do that? Amen? There are no exceptions to the rule God says to forgive. He doesn't say, okay, it's you, so I'm going to let this one slide. This is a difficult subject we're going to talk about today because we need to talk about, if we're going to truly be a believer, we're going to talk about what it means to forgive. I can feel the excitement through the church as I speak right now. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, Pastor, are you going to talk about this? You know, we have a hard time talking about it. Do you know why? Because when I talk about forgiveness, automatically, some of you thought about that moment where somebody hurt you, didn't you? Just nod your head. You thought about that moment that someone hurt you. You thought about that moment and you say, I don't think that I can forgive them. I don't think I can do that. The hurt, the thing that they did is too much. I don't think that I can do that. And I want to tell you this morning, you're right, you can't. We don't have that capacity in us to do that. And that's what we've been trying to do for so long. We've been trying to be the ones to, to do that, and we don't have that. It's only through the grace of God and the Spirit of God that we're able to complete the work of God. It is only through His grace, it is only through His mercy that I can look at someone who has offended me and say, I forgive you. But guess what? The Lord looks at forgiveness pretty strong. He looks at it very seriously. Do you know why? Because if I was supposed to be like Christ, what was it that Christ said? I said it earlier to his own worst enemy, the Pharisees, who were rejoicing that he was dying on the cross. He looked at them and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In his worst moment, in his worst, that none of us will ever understand how bad that moment was because we're not going to have to go through that. Jesus forgave someone. He gave us this example. He modeled it for us, and now he expects us to forgive. I had someone tell me one time, oh, I don't have to forgive because I'm under grace. See, there's a lie of the devil out there that says that once you're saved, you're always saved. I think we see through Scripture that that's not true, and I don't have time to get into it now. That's not true. You can lose, you can give back, you can give away your salvation if you have unforgiveness in your life. We're going to talk about that here. I'm going to prove it to you. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you have sin in your heart, if you continue to rebel against God, you may have say you accepted Him, but have you really accepted Him if you're not living for Him? Amen? We have to understand that. We have to get that, amen? Listen, I'm not saying that God's going to turn you away, but we turn ourselves away because we're unwilling to submit to his love and then love others the same way. That's really what it comes down to. We're not modeling after God. We're taking the gospel and we're making it the way that we want it. We're making it the way that we're comfortable with it, amen? You cannot take the gospel and make it whatever way you want. The only gospel that we have is this right here, amen? You cannot change it. You cannot filter it. You cannot make it into something that you want. It is the word of God, amen? And when somebody asks me, when somebody asks me, 
They say, well, is this a sin or is this not? My first response is, is what does the word of God say? See, the problem is so many of us have listened to preachers from time past, and we have not listened, and we've heard what they said, but we haven't gone to the word of God ourselves to find out what the word of God says. Somebody tells me something that I don't agree with, and I know that it's wrong. My first statement is, well, show me in the word of God where it says that. And usually they can't, because all they've done is listen to someone else. Brothers and sisters, don't just listen to someone else. Find out what the word, that includes when I speak. Find out what the word of God says, amen? Find out what the word of God says, amen? Because it is this is our life. This is our hope. This is what we live by, amen? And I want to share that with you because God wants us to learn how to forgive. See, Peter had trouble with it. He struggled with it. Because he said, listen, God, listen, Jesus, it's my brother. You know, I've noticed something. The hardest person to forgive is the people that are closest to you. Right? Man, how many counseling sessions have I done with couples holding years and years of bitterness and anger and they're supposed to be married, right? They made a vow to God. I love you in sickness and in health till death do us part. But a year into their marriage, like, ah, they're fighting. And listen, fighting is a part of any relationship. But when you build up anger towards one another, you're not forgiving one another, then your marriage becomes divided. That is not what God intended, Amen. It amazes me how many marriages are on the rocks, how many friendships are on the rock, how many communities are on the rock, because people that are closest to us we don't forget because they hurt us. Man, I've, I'm seeing this over and over in families. I'm going to be kind of candid when I say this, but don't raise your hand because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. But how many have family members that either you refuse to talk to or they won't talk to you? And then tell me where that says it's okay in the Word of God. Now, if they refuse to talk to you, that's, that's different. That's on them. But if you refuse to talk to them, and we've gotten this thing where we say, well, they're just toxic. That's a new word. They're just toxic, and I'm not going to have anything to do with them. And I'm not saying put yourself in a situation that you're going to be continually hurt. I'm not talking about them. But we have to be able to forgive people, amen? We have to be able to love those that hurt us. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. You're right, I don't. But God does. God knows exactly what you've done, gone through, and he talks to us. He says, you have to forgive. And I'm going to show you in scripture what this is talking about. First of all, he starts out by saying this. We go down a couple of scriptures. And by the way, Jesus said, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. Who knew that serving God means you have to know math? That was a joke, by the way. Everybody awake? You awake? Okay, listen, I will tell dad jokes if I have to. Okay, here we go. I told this one Wednesday night. I'm going to wake everybody up. What do you call a cow that can't produce milk? Not mook, milk. See, I already messed up. What do you call a cow that can't produce milk? An utter failure. Or you can call it a milk dud, either way. We love you, pastor. Okay. He starts with, with this. He says, 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. Now, I'm going to start talking about this in December about the kingdom of heaven. But let me, let me just start here, stop here, okay? The problem that we have with interpreting scripture is that we try to bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth and make it apply to the king of earth. We try to take the Bible and apply it to how we want things to be. The kingdom of heaven is on an atmosphere that is not us. What Jesus was trying to say, in the kingdom of heaven, we don't operate that way. We don't question how many times, we just forgive, okay? I want you to understand the kingdom of heaven is in a different field. And the problem with churches today is they're acting like they're the kingdom of heaven when really they're the kingdom of earth. We have too much of the world in us, don't we? We have too much of all these things around us that we're unwilling to let go. Brothers, you cannot get in the kingdom of heaven if you're not willing to let go of the kingdom of earth. You can't let go, amen, you gotta let go. You're the, make it to the kingdom of heaven, okay? The kingdom of heaven is how God deals with things. The kingdom of heaven is how God dictates. Here, God says in my realm, this is how we do things. Let me give you an example. How many have gone to someone's house and you know that there's certain rules that they have in your home that you have to abide by, otherwise they're going to ask you to leave? You know what I'm talking about? If you come into my home, the first thing I do is I ask you to remove your shoes because I don't want you messing up my carpet or my floors, right? Remove your shoes, please. And most people are gracious. If you don't remove your shoes, I'll look at you and say, thanks for coming. You can leave now, right? Those are my rules. I have other rules. Really, it's not my rules. It's my wife's rules. She has the guest towels <laughs> and all of that. I'm just making fun of her. She doesn't really do that. But you know you have rules in your house, right? It's the same thing with God, amen? He has certain things that we have to abide by, and that's what I'm talking about. He says, and the kingdom of heaven is like this. A king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Look at your neighbor and say, 10,000 talents. Look at your other neighbor and say, that's a lot of money. Look at your other neighbor and says, I don't know how much it is, but it sounds big. Look at your other neighbor and say, Pastor Keith is handsome today. Some of you aren't talking. I see you. Hey, Amen. Not even my wife did. Verse 25, but as he was not able to pay, are you listening to what I'm saying there? He was not able to pay. The king called him up and says, listen, you need to pay your bill. You need to come in. You need to pay your bill. You need to, you need to make it right with me. And the guy's like, listen, I don't, I don't have any money. I'm unable to pay. 10,000 talents is a lot of money. To me, $100 is a lot of money, right? That's a lot of money. But ten, let's just say $10,000. Anybody here, can you afford $10,000? I remember one time I was driving my car. And uh, I had let the license plate tag expire by three or four months. <laughs> and as I was going by and I thought I was okay and the policeman saw me. And man, it, as soon as I drove by, he whipped around with his lights on and he came after me. And he pulled me over and he gave me like a $200 ticket. And I looked at him and he says, man, if I can't afford to do a license, what makes you think I can afford that? 
And then Julie started crying. She goes, Daddy's going to jail. And I said, no, I'm not going to jail, but I just had to pay a lot of money. And it's really frustrating, right? I didn't have the money. We were, we were struggling at that time. I didn't have money to do this. I didn't have money to do that. And he gave me a ticket on top of that. This is kind of what I'm talking about. This money that he owed was far beyond his means. He couldn't afford it. He says, I don't know what I'm going to do. But as he was not able to pay, his master, the king, commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. Now that sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? But that's reality. That was the law back then. He was following the law. He says, if you can't do what you promised, then you're going to suffer. You're going to pay the consequences. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. I love this last line here, verse 27. He says this. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him that debt. Here we have this beautiful example of redemption. Amen? You guys see it, what I'm talking about? He's going to him and he says, you have this debt you owe me, and, I, and he's, gonna, he's not only going to put him in prison, he's going to put his family in prison, which was a standard practice back then. He says, if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're going to suffer. And the man cried out, and he says, listen, I don't have it. Just give me time. Give me time. I'll pay it. Now, the king knew he'll never be able to pay that back. Let's talk about what that means for us. Brothers and sisters, all of us. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and gone astray. Amen? All of us have done something wrong. And there's no way, and I don't have time to go back and show you in the Old Testament about the perfect sacrifice, but there's no way that we can ever repay God for the sin that we've done. We are sinful. If you've lied, if you've stolen, if you've gossiped about someone, you have fallen short of the glory of God. And there's no, there's no okay, well, they're sort of in, or oh, it's okay. No, with God, it's either you're in or you're out. And when you sin... You're out. There's no hope. But Jesus, Jesus came down and he lived that perfect life. He lived that perfect life. Not one time did he commit sin and he paid the price for us. Amen? And he forgave us of our sin. Now think about that for a second. There was no chance of us being able to pay that off. I cannot make myself righteous. Jesus, through his spirit, made me righteous by my forgiveness of my sin. I've got to ask forgiveness of that sin, but he made me righteous because of that. Amen? Do we understand the greatness of that moment? Sometimes I think we've heard that message so many times that we don't appreciate it, that we don't value in it. It's just another thing. But I want all of you to think about where you are right now and think about where you were two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, how many ever years ago it was. Think about what God has brought you through, amen? Think about how he has restored you. Think about what he's done in your life. And some of you, maybe today, maybe you haven't had that happen in your life and you need that restoration. Think about it now. All the trouble that you're going through, you can be delivered from that. All you got to say, you don't have to pay God back. You don't 
have to do this or do that. All you got to say is, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. That's all you got to do. Isn't that great? We're talking about forgiveness of all the things that you've done wrong. And guess what? I'm going to be blind here. You don't have to come to me to do it. Isn't that amazing? Some, some religions, you have to go to a pastor and confess your sins to them, and they'll forgive you. I have no authority to give. The only one that has authority to give is Jesus. Amen? You, know, you can be all on your bed at night and say, Lord, forgive me, and he'll forgive you of those sins. Amen? See, because he's a loving God. Now, you can come to me, and I'll pray with you. I'll definitely do that. We have people that will pray with you. But God is looking He's looking this morning to restore those who want to be restored. And some of you may say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Again, I don't have to know what you've done because he does. He does. And I don't care what you've done. He is willing. Now, here's the great part. Are you ready? He is willing and able to restore. Okay, I'm going to go over here. Maybe they'll hear me better. I do this every time, don't I? But you guys are quiet this morning, okay? He is willing and able to restore. Amen? Amen? That's very good, y'all. He is willing and able to restore. Amen? He is willing and able to restore. That's what God wants to do this morning. He wants to, oh, here we go. He wants to pick you up. Hey, are you tired of being down? I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I know I'm going a different direction. I'm going to get back there. Don't worry. I've got another 45 minutes. <laughs> Are you tired of being down? Are you tired of working for something you don't realize what you're working for? Are you tired of living in that life of pain and sorrow and, and feeling like you don't belong? You know, well, first of all, you belong here. Number one, but secondly, God says, welcome to my kingdom, amen? Welcome to my kingdom, welcome to my church, and praise God, that's how gracious and loving he is. All that sin that you've done in your life, God says, it's gone. It's gone. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor, I just lied a few times. Hey, a lying sin is just as bad as homosexuality. That's the same, okay? Have you ever lied to somebody? You ever cheated? You ever stole? You ever treated someone badly? Then we've fallen short of the glory of God. But guess what? Through his son Jesus, we're now restored. Amen? Amen? We're restored. God's gracious. The only thing that keeps us from God is us. Us. Jesus said this. He said, come into me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, at one, no point did he say, if you do this, or you do that, or you do this, then I will, no, he says, just come to me. Isn't that amazing that he would just say that? Man, churches have made things so hard. They make you do certain rituals or certain dances or certain whatever. And listen, God didn't do any of that. He just said, come to me. Come to me and I'll make it right. That's all you got to do. So this man, he was forgiven. 10,000 talents. Again, that's a lot of money, isn't it? 10,000 talents and God 
forgave him. But something interesting happened. Now, remember what I said is God forgave him, right? That means there was no issue between him and God at that point. Forgave him. Wiped the slate. But you know what happened? Verse 28. But, that first word. So just so that you know, when, when the Bible says the word but like that, it's not good. It's not good. That means that the opposite of what was supposed to happen is about to happen. He says, but that servant, the one that was forgiven, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. 10,000 talents, 100 denarii. You guys see the difference there? I'm not going to take time to explain the monetary system and how much a talent was, how much a denarii was. I think we can see the difference between 10,000 and 100, although the 100 was not equivalent to one talent. I'm not going to get into that now. I'm just wanting you to see the difference. He went out and he found him. He searched for him. He looked for him. He just had this amazing moment of grace. Where God says, you know what, we're good. I know you owe me 10,000 talents and I have every right to, to plow down your house and put you and your family and your kids in jail, but I forgive you. But he went out. The person that owed him money had a debt against him. By the way, you understand this, what an offense is, it's a debt. When somebody hurts you, there's a debt there. He went out and found him, and he, look what he did. He laid hands on him. And not in a super spiritual way either, not for prayer, like he did it angrily. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. Do we need an example this morning? I think we need an example. Who can I get? Kaya, come up here for me, buddy. Come here. Come here. Don't rush, we're fine. I was joking, come here. Don't ever tell a teenager something, they take it seriously. Turn around. There you go, I want everybody to see that beautiful face of yours. Okay, maybe not, I'm just joking. Okay, stay there. I'm gonna show you an example. Okay, come here, Jenny. We're gonna pretend Jenny's the king, okay? Get past the gender issues, just bear with me. Because she's really in charge. The king has forgiven me, right? You guys with me? Say you forgive me and you love me. You think I'm the handsomest man in the world? You're the handsomest man in the world. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, king, for forgiving me. You guys understand what just happened there, right? You with me? Okay. Now I've been forgiven. I'm free. I don't know anybody anymore. I'm debt free. Woohoo! Wait a minute. Kaye owes me some money. That little irresponsible brat, he owes me money. I bet he's playing Xbox with his friends that didn't pay me back. I bet, I, oh, uh, mm, where is Kaye? I'm going to look for, Kaye better give me my money. There you are. I'm not going to really choke. Did that hurt? No? You scare you? A little bit? <laughs> Do you guys see what I did? I let my anger build up. 
and I put my hands around his throat, which is exactly what happened. The intent there is to take the life of someone, right? Do you put your hands around your throat unless you're wanting to take their life? Or you want to silence them? Come on now. You hurt me and I want to silence you. You hurt me and I want to take everything from you. You hurt me, I want you to repay what you've done. Thank you, Kayak. did a wonderful job. Let's give Kayak a hand, okay? <laughs> Kayak saw, and it, there was fear in his eyes when he did. I don't know if you guys noticed that. There was fear in his eyes when I went up to him and I put my hands around his throat. because, And I didn't really squeeze. I don't think I did. Maybe a little bit. Can you talk? Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know why, but your cousins and sister were cheering. I don't know what that was about. It was fear in his eyes. And then this, this man that he went after, he said, listen, have mercy upon me. See if this sounds familiar. Have mercy upon me. I'll, I'll pay you back. I'll, I'll give you what you owe. Have mercy upon me. I just need some time. 10,000 talents, 100 denarii. Do you know what the guy did? He plowed his house. They threw him in jail and his family in jail. 100 denarii versus 10,000 talents. Now the king heard about this. The king heard about this and he was upset. When he brought him back, he goes, and I'm a paraphraser, is that okay? He goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? I forgave you of all this. And you went after your brother? And the Bible specifically calls him a servant. We are servants of God, right? So he calls him a servant. So this is not a non-believer we're talking about. He's implying that it's a believer. He says, I forgave you, but yet you did not forgive someone who hurt you or had an offense with you. You know what happened? Read this for yourself if you don't believe me. God says, I will cast you out into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound like the kingdom of heaven to me, does it? Sounds like he's not going to heaven because there's no weeping and gnashing of teeth in heaven, is there? What are you saying, Pastor? You're saying that if I don't forgive somebody, I'm not going to heaven? Let me be clear. No, you're not. Pastor, I trust in God. I believe in God. Do you? Because if you did, you would model what he does and you would forgive those people who have hurt you. This is a hard message, isn't it? It's hard. I know. Listen, I'm not coming at you. I'm not talking down to you. I'm a sh I want you to be liberated. We talk, about, we talk about revival, 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 revival. You know what revival is? Revival is when we love those who hurt us and we model what God did. We model how Jesus did. We want people risen, rising from the dead, but we're not willing to forgive our brother. We want our, we want our children to come to church, but we're not willing to forgive our sister. We want our family saved and turned to God, but we're not willing to let go of the hurt and pain that's been caused to us. We want the church to grow, and we want people to be saved and people to turn away from drugs and alcohol, but the power of God cannot flow through our lives because they're unwilling to let go of that little thing that's been done to us. 
that little thing. Now, am I minimizing it because of what happened to you? No, no. Some of you have suffered injustices that go far beyond. As a matter of fact, our court system is full of people who have suffered injustices. And I'm not saying that things should not go to court. But brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, we've got to be like Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen? we got to say, I forgive them. Do you have an ex-wife who has hurt you? I forgive them. Do you have children who have turned on you and said things about you. I forgive them. Do you have someone who abused you? I forgive them. Do I have someone who assaulted me? I forgive them. Do I have someone who got me hooked on drugs? I forgive them. See, when we don't forgive someone, let me tell you what happens is we become the judge, jury, and executioner. And let me tell you that we are not a judge, jury, and executioner because if we were, then the same standard would apply to us. We have to let God judge. I'm going to say that again. We have to let God judge those who hurt you. We have to let God do it. Let me explain why. Because when God judges somebody, it's fair. And he does it with love. And he does it with care. And he does it with mercy. And in your heart you're going, but I want them to suffer. I will tell you in the kingdom of heaven, if you want somebody to suffer, then you too will also suffer. What does he say in Matthew? He says, judge not lest you be judged. Is that not what he says? Is that not what he says? He says the same measure of judgment that you put out on someone else will be returned to you. We are not the judge, you're an executioner. We need to give it to God and let God be the one who decides what happens. Let God be the one who reconciles them. Let God be the one who judges them. As a matter of fact, this is what he says. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, he says, Vengeance is mine, and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you with my whole heart, God saw when you were hurt. All right, you ready to get a little real here? See, I don't mind when you mess with me. I, that doesn't bother me. People talk bad at me, about me. I mean, it may hurt my feelings a little bit. I'm, I'm cool. I can do it. I'm a big boy. But you talk about my wife. You talk about my daughter or my son. You're going to see a less spiritual side to me, aren't you? Amen? Any moms and dads know what I'm talking about? Grandparents, you're a little bit more fierce because you don't care anymore. You talk about your grandchildren or great-grandchildren, fight will come out. I've seen grandmas, 76 years old, ready to take out a whole place. Amen? Grandmas don't care. They will take you out. Amen? If I feel this way about my own child, how much more is God going to feel about me? Amen? He said, you don't mess with him. No, 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 no. You don't... You don't mess with him. You don't mess with her. You don't mess with him. That's, that's my child, and I will come after you. And the Lord says, in due time. 
in due time, in due time. And then he, then he says this, I love this verse too. Or also Psalms 54, 94, 1. Oh Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs, oh God, to whom vengeance belongs, shine forth. In other words, God, you be the one to judge, not me. Amen. See, when I trust in the Lord, I know the Lord's going to take care of it. But I'm going to be candid with you. I still struggle with it sometimes because there's that part of me that wants them to be eaten by worms or have really bad intestinal issues when they're wearing white pants in a crowd of people. Anybody else feel that way sometimes about people you don't like? Am I the only one? See, that's not what God wants from me. The hardest part of being a believer is to look at someone you know who has talked about you, who's put you down, who's hurt you, and to wrap your arms around them and say you love them. I'm going to say that one more time because I, I feel some resistance there, okay? It's almost feeling like Wednesday night. There's a lot of resistance here. The hardest thing to do as a believer is to wrap your arms around someone who has hurt you, hurt you, and then tell them you love them. Pastor, how do I know that I've forgiven them? Trust me, you'll know. Does that mean that I've got to let them back into my life? Not necessarily depending on what they've done, not necessarily. But this thing that you're holding on to, hear what I'm saying here, okay? This thing that you're holding on to is keeping you from blessing with God. It's keeping you. It's almost like you're carrying around this rock. And everywhere you go, you're carrying around this rock, this huge rock. God's ready to say, give that to me. Give, give me your hurt, and then I'll take care of it. See, it would be easy for me to say this morning, has anybody been hurt before? Because I guarantee you every person in this room has experienced some hurt. But it's time, brothers and sisters. It's time to let that go. It's time to forgive. Because I don't know about you, but I want God to move in your life. I want God to do things in your life. I See, for too long, the church has been on the sidelines, and the fire and the passion has not been there because we're still living like the world in unforgiveness. Man, if we could just step into the kingdom of heaven for a moment and say, I forgive someone, then watch the power of God come into your life, start answering those prayers, start blessing you financially, well, Pastor, how do I know what you're saying is true? Well, I just read it in the Word there. Jesus said forgive because that's what the kingdom of heaven does. You see, when you have the kingdom of heaven in your life, when you're operating in the kingdom of heaven, that means you're not operating in the kingdom of this world. Well, this world represents Hate, this world represents division, this world represents unforgiveness. Why would a Christian be tied to unforgiveness? I don't understand that, but we are, aren't we? 
when you operate in the kingdom of heaven, we enter a phase where the enemy has nothing on your life anymore. He has nothing to hold over you. You ever have people in your life hold stuff over you? See, the enemy can't hold things over you anymore because you're free. What would happen if the Glacier Valley Church of God was free? I don't mean free as in cost as far as money. I'm talking about free from burdens, free from guilt, free from shame, free from unforgiveness. What would happen? Can I tell you what would happen? Is the power of God would begin to flow. The power of God will begin to move in your life. Would you stand with me, please? That song we sung this morning, I Surrender, there's a lot to it. Because we have to surrender some things to God this morning. As they gently put on some music for me. The first thing I have to ask you this morning before we can go any further is everybody closes your eyes and bows your head. I just feel this in my heart. There's somebody here that you need to make your life right with God again. You need to have Jesus in your heart. Either you've gone away for a while and you're ready to come back and that's good. Well, hey, welcome home. Are you going to accept Jesus for the first time? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I saw four people. Are there more? People are getting saved today. People are getting saved today. People are getting saved today. Everybody, say this with me. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Restore me into the way everlasting. Forgive me. Help me. You are my God. Amen. Four people gave their life to the Lord this morning. Give the Lord praise. Now. Now, now, here comes the hard part. For those who are just saved, I'll let you stay in your seat, and that's fine. But the next thing you do, you're going to have to do publicly. There's some people in your life that you haven't forgiven. For you to think of them, for you to think of them brings you angst, makes you upset, makes you angry or hurt. Could be your spouse, could be your friends, could be your mom and dad, could be your cousins. Doesn't matter who it is, it's somebody. Don't let this one thing keep you from God. If that's you, I want you to make your way out of your seat right now. We're going to do this publicly. Make your way to your seat right now and say, I need to forgive someone. Come on, out of your seat right now if that's you. 
I feel like there's more. I love you. I just feel like there's more. The Spirit, not me, the Spirit is calling you. The Spirit is reaching out to you and say, come, 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 come. I'm going to give it a couple more minutes. I want all you guys to kind of come down this way a little bit. Come down this way. Come down this way. Come down this way, Bridget. A little bit. Come down this way. There you go. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds. Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? Let's get it right. If that's you, come. I'm going to close it in three, two, one. All of you look at me. The fact that you're even down here, it's amazing. Because I know some of the hurt that you've been through. That's incredible. That's God. That's not me. That's God. And for some of you, it's going to be hard because the things that happened to you maybe were of a nature I can't even talk about it. That's how bad it was. But can I tell you the graciousness of God? The, the word healing in the New Testament, most of the time, the Greek word is where we get the word therapy. Now you say, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm not going to therapy. That's not what I'm talking about. The word therapy there means relationship. Relationship. So forgiveness comes. Forgiveness comes the more we have a relationship with God. That's what it's about. It's not about just sitting there and go, I forgive you and it's done. No, it's a process. And guess what? God understands that and he's with you and he gives grace. Isn't God amazing that he gives us grace during those times? So we're going to simply pray this prayer. And I want you to repeat after me, okay? Can you do that? But you've got to mean it with your heart. And it's a struggle. Are you ready? Say, Jesus, forgive, or I forgive. Say the name of the person you need to forgive. Now, here's the thing. Some of you are silent there, and I want you to, I want you to say it. Not so loud people can hear you, but I want you to say it. Come on. I forgive. Say the name. Amen. God, help me. God, help me to forgive me. Forgive me for holding on. Help me to let go. I want revival in this church, in my heart, in this city. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now here's the great thing for all of you who came down. I'm going to give you this great news. Even if you struggle to do this, as I said earlier, the graciousness of God gets you through. Now that isn't, that's not an excuse. That doesn't mean leave out of here and go find somebody and start choking them. Okay, don't do that. All right? But for some of you, the wounds are pretty deep.
Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.